No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Absalom steals the hearts of all Israel and forms a conspiracy against his father David. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 14 on Simply the Bible. Have you ever been so overwhelmed by circumstances in your life that you were paralyzed? Following his sin and the prophetic word given him about its consequences, David was deflated and discouraged. He had been unable or unwilling to discipline his son Amnon when he raped his half-sister Tamar. Then, two years later, Absalom, Tamar's brother, took matters into his own hands and killed Amnon. Absalom fled from Israel to live with his grandfather for three years. Under pressure, David gave permission to his general, Joab, to bring Absalom back to Jerusalem. But David refused to see his face. He couldn't bring himself to completely forgive his son. We continue in 2 Samuel 14, verse 25. Now in all Israel, there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. And when he cut the hair of his head, at the end of every year, he cut it because it was heavy on him. When he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels, according to the king's standard. To Absalom were born three sons and one daughter, whose name was Tamar. She was a woman of beautiful appearance. Absalom was a very good-looking man. There was no blemish in him from head to toe. He had a head of glory. He only cut his hair once a year, and it was so thick and heavy that it weighed four to six pounds. He named his daughter after his sister, Tamar, and she was beautiful like her aunt. And Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, but did not see the king's face. Therefore Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but he would not come to him. And when he sent again the second time, he would not come. So he said to his servants, See, Joab's field is near mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. And Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab arose and came to Absalom's house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? And Absalom answered Joab, Look, I sent to you, saying, Come here, so that I may send you to the king to say, Why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me to be there still. Now, therefore, let me see the king's face. But if there is iniquity in me, let him execute me. So Joab went to the king and told him. And when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king. Then the king kissed Absalom. Absalom just didn't understand why the king sent for him if he wasn't going to see him. And he had a good point. After living two years in Jerusalem, Absalom couldn't wait anymore. He sent for Joab, but Joab ignored him. 
So Absalom told his servants to burn Joab's field to get his attention. When Joab showed up, Absalom said, let me see the king's face. And if there is iniquity in me, then let him execute me. It wasn't right for Absalom to have killed his brother Amnon. But David had done nothing to discipline Amnon. And now, although David's heart had longed for Absalom, his stubborn pride kept him from completely forgiving his son. That's tragic because God did not withhold forgiveness from David. As soon as he confessed that he had sinned against the Lord, Nathan told David that his sins were forgiven. But now David was unwilling to forgive Absalom from the heart and fully reconcile with him. After Joab came to see him, David agreed to see his son. When Absalom came and bowed himself on his face to the ground, David kissed him. But obviously the relationship was still strained. Absalom did not feel that his father accepted nor approved of him. And this would breed resentment and rebellion in Absalom's heart. Chapter 15. After this, it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise early and stand before the way to the gate. So it was whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, what city are you from? And he would say, your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, oh, that I were made judge in the land and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me, then I would give him justice. And so it was whenever anyone came near to bow down to him that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Absalom was full of himself, full of selfish ambition. Perhaps his beautiful head of hair had gone to his head. He begins to advance his agenda to advance himself. We find out later that like Saul, Absalom set up a monument to himself because he had no son to carry on his name. Evidently, the three sons born to him must have died early. When he was young, David won the approval of the people by his integrity and because he fought the Lord's battles. But Absalom gained the people's approval because he was attractive and he told people what they wanted to hear. David had been a true war hero, but Absalom was a celebrity. He presented himself as everybody's friend. Absalom was all about image. He had chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. He made it sound like David was just too busy and too unconcerned to meet with the people. But if he were in charge, then he would see to it that they received justice. He did not honor his father, but sought to steal away the affection and loyalty of the people. And whenever the people paid respect to him by bowing before him, he would put out his hand, raise the person to his feet, and kiss him. This reminds me of someone else who betrayed his master with a kiss. In this way, Absalom stole the hearts of all Israel. 
In the Psalms that David wrote during this period, it seems that he was battling with sickness. Whether this was physical disease or depression brought on by the heartbreaking affairs going on in his family, we don't know. But David seemed to be detached and distracted, and this created a leadership vacuum which Absalom was very eager to fill. Verse 7, Now it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said to the king, Please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. For your servant took a vow while I was at Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And with Absalom went 200 men invited from Jerusalem, and they went along innocently and did not know anything. Then Absalom sent for Ahithophel the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy grew strong, for the people with Absalom continually increased in number. There is some question to the phrase after 40 years in verse 7, because David only reigned as king for a total of 40 years. So it couldn't mean that Absalom had been back in Jerusalem for 40 years. Some say this dates back to when David was first anointed by Samuel, but that seems out of context. The Jewish historian Josephus and a couple translations of the Septuagint, that is the Greek translation of the Old Testament scriptures made in 250 BC, they say this verse was four years rather than 40 years. I don't know which is more accurate. It's a minor point. Now, it seems strange that while Absalom was living in Syria with his grandfather, that he would make a vow that he would have to pay in Hebron, which was south of Jerusalem by about 20 miles. But of course, this was just a story to disguise Absalom's true intention for going to Hebron. Absalom spoke of keeping his vow to the Lord, knowing that this would please his father. But wasn't this taking the name of the Lord in vain? His supposed oath to the Lord was in fact a lie. Evidently, Absalom had calculated that he now had enough political power, having stolen the hearts of Israel to seize the throne. He sent word throughout Israel that when they heard the trumpet, they should all shout, Absalom reigns in Hebron. Hebron was significant because it was a fortified city and it was where David reigned over Judah for seven and a half years. Absalom brought 200 people with him from Jerusalem, but they went innocently, not knowing that Absalom was rebelling against the king. But Absalom did sway David's trusted friend and counselor, Ahithophel. This dealt a great blow to David because the counsel of Ahithophel was like the counsel of God. Why would Ahithophel desert his trusted friend and king? Well, Bathsheba was Ahithophel's granddaughter. He saw the heartache David brought to Bathsheba when he committed adultery with her and had her husband Uriah killed to cover it up. Probably Ahithophel's anger grew to resentment, bitterness, and hatred. Thus, he joined with Absalom in his rebellion against David. 
It is very likely that David wrote Psalm 55 concerning this event. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. Please listen and answer me, for I am overwhelmed by my troubles. My enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. They bring trouble on me and angrily hunt me down. My heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me, and I can't stop shaking. Oh, that I had wings like a dove, then I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. How quickly I would escape, far from this wild storm of hatred. Confuse them, Lord, and frustrate their plans, for I see violence and conflict in the city. Its walls are patrolled day and night against invaders, but the real danger is wickedness within the city. Everything is falling apart. Threats and cheating are rampant in the streets. It is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion, and close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. There is no pain like the pain of betrayal by a trusted friend. Yet even in this overwhelmingly painful time in David's life, the Lord was still with him. And he will be with you also if you will make the Lord your refuge and your hiding place. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Next week, we'll see where David is forced to escape Jerusalem to flee from his son Absalom, leaving behind his ten concubines. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 2 Samuel on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible.